Well, it feels a little like deja vu all over again. At exactly this time last year, we were having a discussion about Bill C-10, regulating, maybe even censoring the internet. Now we're doing it again. It's Bill C-11. And one of the people who's been following this very, very closely is, is Michael Geist. He's a professor at the University of Ottawa and the uh, Canadian Chair in Internet Studies. It's, it, it's a bill that just captures so much of what's going on in terms of new technology. It's very complicated, and I think it's going to lead to uh, some problems. The words that people have used to describe this bill, inept, anti-democratic, arrogant, autocratic, a fatally flawed gateway to government censorship. So, Michael, welcome and thank you for being with us. You have been following this doggedly. Anybody who follows you on Twitter can see that. I'm, I, we had these hearings with the head of the CRTC, and I was a little taken aback by some of the things that he actually said out loud, um, including when asked about, are you going to try and manage the internet and regulate the content. He said, no, 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 we're, we don't want to manipulate all of those algorithms that the big platforms use. We want to make them do it. Uh, it's the same difference in my mind. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it is. And, and I thought that the committee hearings uh, this past week were, were a breath of fresh air around these issues. You know, uh, There was so much theatrics that took place, uh, I think, really from all sides at the at the heritage at the heritage committee in the house um, which ultimately led to you know the rushed clause by clause review and uh, a flawed bill that, that now makes its way to the senate and i thought the hearings i you know i was honored to get a chance to appear but particularly the hearings uh, that involved the crtc chair and government officials really, I think, started to chip away at many of the claims that we've seen from the government. And you're right to highlight sort of at the very top of the list is that digital creators, the platforms, many experts have consistently maintained that there was little doubt that if you imposed what are known as discoverability rules on these kinds of user-generated content platforms, that at the end of the day, it was going to get into the algorithms. It was going to involve that kind of manipulation. That's what they worried about. Minister Canadian Heritage, Pablo Rodriguez, kept insisting it wasn't the case. And then you have, of course, had the CRTC chair effectively confirming that, yes, of, yes, of course, um, yes. we'll have a discussion with them. We're not going to order them to change their algorithms. We're going to ask them, you go ahead and change those algorithms. Yeah. It's a distinction. And, it, and a if you don't, you can't play here. Um, it, it's really, it's some this question of discoverability, and let's just break that down. What the government says is it wants Canadians to be able to find Canadian content and Quebec content almost in particular. A lot of the drive is coming from there. French language content. They want to make it easier to find. Is it that hard to find? I don't think it is. Uh, you know, I must admit there are times when I see these debates take place and I'm left to wonder whether or not those expressing those views have spent any time on YouTube or Netflix or some of these other services, you know, on a service like Netflix, which told the house they'd spent now more than $3 billion on production and licensing of Canadian content. Uh, all it takes is searching the word Canada. And for anyone that has spent any time on YouTube, you know, I'd encourage them create a fresh account. If you're interested, let's say in French language music, 
search for some French language music videos and see what the algorithm begins to propose for you. And inside of about an hour, that's what your feed is going to look like. Nobody, there's just no incentives to hide the ball in this case. And what there is these algorithms, how these platforms work. If you keep going to certain videos that show cats jumping through hoops, they're going to send you more videos, make that more discoverable by you. It's it use dictates what they send you. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Now, listen, I would have no problem with with saying that we want to ensure that the platforms don't grant their own content undue preference. So, you know, if they were using the algorithm to disadvantage other content in favor of other of their own content, let's say, well, then that's an issue. And that's why I've long thought that competition laws would really be appropriate to deal with those kinds of issues here. But that's not at all what we're dealing with here. And, you know, you had before your committee, you one yeah. of the questions that was posed to one of the government officials was, you know, is it really true that no other country in the world does yeah. it this way? And the response was, well, yeah, it really is true that no one else has done it. And, and there's good reason for that. You keep seeing this insistence on saying, well, take a look at what they're doing in Europe. And yeah. well, in Europe, they recognize that there are differences between curated services like Netflix and user content services like TikTok and YouTube. And they don't seek to impose these kinds of rules on those services. The government's insistence on doing so over really all evidence and, and huge numbers of witnesses appearing is, is, it, is, is truly inexplicable. It's kind of like a solution in search of a problem. It's it's really not a big issue, but somehow we're making it one. One of Canada's um, most, I guess, popular YouTubers, JJ McCullough, tried to testify, I'll put it that way, at the House of Commons hearings because it was uh, a bit of a farce. But um, I think she put it this way, it's simply impossible to regulate a platform like YouTube without also regulating creator content. It's like promising not to regulate books while regulating what can be sold in the bookstore. It does seem an apt analogy. Yeah, I think his point on that, on that front was, I think, accurate. You're right, that, yeah. um, that, that you know, he raised that as, as a concern. And you know, I, I think that has come up as part of the discussions pretty regularly. Again, just to harken back to what your committee heard, you know, you, you had government officials talking about, well, what does it mean to have commercial content and this attempt to sort of limit things? And yet the description and the standards that are set in the act, which they say they want to include music, it quite clearly is confirmed by TikTok, will cover all TikTok vi- videos that include music in the background. And so this idea that somehow they can separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak, Somehow we can get, we know what it is we want to regulate and we'll exclude the rest. Just doesn't work in the way that they've drafted it. The other problem is, and and we discussed this at the committee, which is, okay, here's here's the new ball game, boys and girls. This We're going to impose this bill, but we're not going to tell you what the rules are until we've passed this bill. And then we're going to have hearings, maybe public, maybe not, who knows, and figure out what the rules are. I mean, we've all watched the CRTC operate for 30 or 40 years, coming to conclusions about what should be on our television screens or radios. It's a slow process. This is an industry that moves at warp speed. 
Yeah, no, I'm glad you raised that. You know, I have to say that there's, of course, the speed issue. And you, you had the CRTC chair at, within the, at the House Committee, I believe, talk about a couple of years to sort through this stuff. But, yeah. you know, I have to say that, you know, obviously, I've spent a lot of time on this bill and its predecessor over the last couple of years. And I always thought one of the compelling arguments was just the, the enormous amount of uncertainty associated with so many issues. Core, core provisions left undefined, no thresholds, all these concerns. And I have to say that as I watched the government official speak to these issues before the hearing, it occurred to me that the government sees this as a feature rather than a bug. They actually seem to embrace that uncertainty. You know, when asked yeah. about, can't you define discoverability? They're like, well, we want to have the flexibility down the road uh, where new things could emerge. When asked about trying to create some real limitations on terms of thresholds, so that you'd exclude the smaller niche services and target the large players like the government has often said they want. The government said, well, no, we'd actually like to make sure that perhaps those smaller services contribute as well. In other words, they're quite happy with this uncertainty, which yeah. I think is, is bad really for everyone. It's bad for the industry, certainly. It's bad for creators. And, and I think it's, it's, it's really shirking responsibility as a lawmaker in terms of, of setting the standards and creating certainty. We shouldn't have far more uncertainty about what regulation looks like after the bill than we do before it. And, and they went on to say things like, well, we'll figure out whether how much money they make is an issue or we'll figure out later, you know, how many what their audience reach is and see whether we think that's I mean, this is enough to drive anybody in this industry. I mean, I'm thinking if I want to uh, expand, you know, Twitter or if I want to expand Netflix and TikTok and their reach in Canada, I'm going to say, why do I want to play by these rules? Why, why do people in Europe want to watch more Canadian content because it's been made more discoverable, quote unquote? Yeah. Well, listen, you know, I, the larger players, and I think this question was raised as well. I mean, the larger players, Amazon or Netflix or Disney, I don't think they're leaving Canada. They've made it clear they've made big commitments to Canada. Uh, they may pass along some of these new costs to consumers. Yeah. I think, frankly, most likely is that it's not like a new billion dollars, which now the Government already the official started backtracking and said, "Well, that's a, you know, that, that's an illustrative estimate as opposed to a right. hard number." Uh, but you know, it's not as if a new billion is going to appear. They're going to simply move on, shuffle, shuffle existing money yeah. into the new pot that is where there's a requirement, and so money goes from one expenditure in Canada to a different expenditure in Canada. But I don't think it, it's new money per se. But I think for the smaller players that, you know, many multicultural communities and, and many others in Canada rely upon or really enjoy, those are the kinds of services that if you leave the door open to say, yes, we may want to regulate you too, we may want to mandate contributions. Yeah. Those are the types that are either going to say we're going to block Canada altogether or we're going to increase our prices to make sure that we stay well below whatever threshold should there be one gets established. Well, there's always the law of unintended consequences, which the, the CRTC chair also acknowledged, which is you make a rule that says, oh, if you don't have enough Canadian content, if we don't see, you know, wheat fields waving and, uh, you know, big blue skies, then then that's not going to be considered Canadian enough. Um, you're going to end up capturing, you know, you and I sitting here with uh, the backdrops of our rooms and we're somehow not going to be Canadian enough because we're not seeing who knows what the landscape. 
Yeah, that, that whole issue around definitions of CanCon, which you know the yeah. government has now acknowledged is, is a real problem. And, and of course, if you're trying to make the case that this is legislation that is designed to increase the amount of Canadian stories or Canadian right. IP or whatever your objective happens to be, it seems to me that the starting point needs to be to ensure that your CanCon policies achieve that objective. It's not the last thing you deal with. It's the first thing you deal with. Exactly. As they discovered in the world of, of television, which is you can mandate a third of your program, but it doesn't mean, you know, it just means they shot the program in Nova Scotia. It doesn't mean it's necessarily Canadian in any kind of identifiable way. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we, and I think we've you know, there has been over the course of these debates over the bill, I think a growing, at least acknowledgement that the, the current CanCon system is not fit for purpose that, you know, we've had even oftentimes there are these claims that, well, this is about Canadian stories. We now even have supporters of CanCon rules acknowledge that no CanCon rules don't really advance Canadian stories. Yeah. We've had them also acknowledge that it's not really about jobs either. Um, we've got record amounts of investment and film and TV production going on in Canada right now. So it does beg the question a little bit, well, what exactly are we trying to achieve? You can still make the case that there's a, a role for all of this, but the current system certainly isn't doing it and layering in this deeply flawed bill into a system that we know doesn't won't achieve the objectives that you say you're trying to achieve uh, yeah. is, is clearly not a recipe for success. Well, and the other thing is, and, and I, I, you know, it's the reason that they're doing some of this is because legacy media has not kept up with the times. We see the government directly subsidizing newspapers and television stations, which in my mind is very questionable behavior on both sides in terms of, uh, of whether it keeps people objective. But the internet is not a TV network. It's not like you have 24 hours and you can say, okay, one third of it must be some loosely defined bit of Canadian content. This is a global platform, platforms with infinite space. So then what becomes the objective? Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I mean, you, you allude a little bit to a, a bill that I think will, or at least I hope will attract a lot of attention in the fall, Bill C-18, where the government right. is looking to intervene very significantly, I think in, in an unprecedented way uh, in the independent media sector, which has big implications for the internet. But you're right about this, in a sense, this tension that exists between sort of the, the pre-internet world and where we are in the internet world. And what C11's done is really, you know, pitted in some ways the interests of some of that pre-internet radio TV players who have been largely dependent upon taxpayer subsidized content. They've really seen that as the, the mechanism to ensure that we've got CanCon. And then along, as we saw throughout the hearings at the House, along come all these digital first creators who say, you know what, this isn't my world. My world is one where I've got multi-billion person audience on these different platforms. I'm going to go ahead and create, and I'm going to thrive on a global basis. Just get out of the way. Yeah. And you know, I think what has happened here is that the government has basically sided with the legacy players. You know, I mean, you see that because yep. so many of these emerging creators, you know, literally coming forward and saying, we're not asking for anything other than do no harm. Yes. And the government and the government just yes, and the government just ignored ignored yep. those concerns altogether. It's it's quite astonishing that you see the government at times 
impose or, or put in amendments based on, you know, a single witness says, hey, I'm a little worried about this or I'm yeah. worried about this. Can you make a change? And along comes the reform. And then here you have witness after witness after witness. And some of them say, listen, I've had a lifetime of being ignored. This has finally given me a way to speak. And the way that is treated by uh, particularly the government and NDP MPs in this case was to just yeah. ignore those concerns altogether. And, and this is what we, I mean, we hear it from every organization in the world. We need to promote creativity and reward success, not, not reward people who made bad decisions and pretended the internet wasn't real and carried on publishing their newspapers and broadcasting in a traditional way. Yeah, no, I mean, this, there, you know, the irony with so much of this is that there is such an enormous chance for innovation right now. And in fact, Canadians are grabbing it. Uh, yeah. And yet here we have a government that says this is about being forward looking and it's doing precisely the opposite. None of this is to say, I want to make it clear, none of this is to say that we, we shouldn't be updating the broadcasting. Yet. No, no. But, we, but, yeah. but once you venture into some of the areas that this bill does over all evidence, you know, especially around user content, around the lack of thresholds, around the inability to truly define CanCon, you know, it, it is, it, and, and you note that this is the kind of law that doesn't get updated, but for every few decades, yeah. um, it's a, just a, it's a terrible mistake. And the legislative process has been uh, just awful, quite frankly, to the. Well, to the and, and they have gone ahead and introduced Bill C-18, the online harms bill. They had the reaction to that last year. The, they held hearings over the summer period during the election. You know, uh, people said this is problematic. This is trouble waiting to happen, but they're charging ahead. Yeah, just to be clear, you know, and it gets it gets so confusing with all the bills yeah. that they've come forward and not come forward. So C-18 deals specifically with uh, the online news related issues. The online right. harms yes, hasn't come right, hasn't right. come. Oh, and listen, right. it's so hard. To, you need you There's need a scorecard to keep yes, track of all of this stuff for sure. <laughs> you know, the ministers made it clear that, that they are going to bring forward an online harms package. They're now calling it online safety. I yes. presume sometime in the fall, we'll wait to see if they really take on board the concerns that that were expressed throughout that consultation. But C-18, listen, the heritage minister has literally did not give a speech on the bill or answer any questions on the bill before they imposed time allocation on it. They said, we want to get it to committee, knowing full well that C-11 was at committee and there was going to be no time. And so they stopped all debate in the House. The bill still has not had any discussion, of course, at the Heritage Committee because there simply wasn't any time. And it's the kind of bill that once you scratch below the surface, you realize it represents some significant risks. And we indeed have seen many, many smaller, independent, digital first news publishers say we're really concerned with this legislation. Yeah. And, you know, it's it. You can ask what their strategy is, like, what is the point of putting forward legislation and then denying anybody the right to talk about it and refusing to comment on it as the Minister of the Crown? It seems odd, but if you overload the system in the middle of a war in Ukraine and, you know, court decisions in the U.S. and all, it, it kind of gets lost and it's complicated for people to follow. And then they can kind of just ram it on through. Well, it is hard to it is hard to follow. And I have to say there's times certainly over the last number of weeks as I've been regularly writing about it, speaking yeah. about it, tweeting about it and the like where you, I, I must admit there's times I wonder whether or not isn't there something better to do about all this <laughs> stuff. But uh, I, I do I do feel so strongly that 
you know, the, the, this really does set the table for what our, our internet, for what much of our digital creativity is going to look like for the, in the coming years, decades perhaps. Um, and because some of these issues are gonna be tough to undo. And, you know, yeah. if, we, if we simply adopt a position of throwing up our hands and saying, well, there's, there's so much other stuff, we're not gonna pay attention. Um, you know, that, that, to, to me, that kind of plays into the cynicism that in some ways, a legislative process where you have a heritage minister who has been consistently contradicted by his own chair of the CRTC. That's yeah. almost what it feels like that, you know, they'd be happy to see that taken. And so I'd much rather say, you know, if let, let's at least have, have a real dialogue on what this bill accomplishes and, and, you know, hope springs eternal, mm -hmm. um, the set, you know, with the, uh, with your Senate here, your Senate yeah. committee, the chance to really try to, to fix some of these problems come the fall. Well, and another one of the differences, and I, I'm sure you get it too, but my inbox is literally jammed with Canadians not just saying I oppose Bill C-11, telling their story of being a content creator or and, and why they're worried about this. It's not just some knee-jerk political response here. It's actually very substantive. It is. Listen, there's been a lot of, I think, a lot of discussion and a lot of noise lies about it and I, i'm glad people are paying attention i think sometimes people have raised issues that that do fall outside the scope of the legislation and but but the reality is i think we've already heard at the senate committee is that there is plenty to be concerned about with respect to provisions that are quite clearly in the legislation so yeah. you know, i don't think there's a need to call anybody a dictatorship Right, um, coming right. out of this legislation, when you can simply look at the provisions there, then look at the confirmations that you've seen from the chair of the CRTC, look at the creators that have come forward to say, here's how I'm thriving and why I'm concerned, and say there's there are elements here that need to be fixed. Yeah. Dr. Michael Geis, Professor of Law at the University of Ottawa, where he holds the Canadian Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law. And he is um, one of the few Canadians, I've got to say, academics really taking this on. So thank you for your ongoing efforts in monitoring and bringing it to everybody's attention. And we'll be back uh, to discuss the other bills when they come forward. You bet. My pleasure. Thank you so Thanks much for having lot, me. Michael. Talk okay. to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that is it for this edition of No Nonsense with Pamela Wallen. We'll talk soon.